Hello, my name is Joe Faulkner, and welcome to the Flexible Mind Therapy Podcast. Today we'll continue the discussion of different factors that may impact on the sociosexual development of individuals with autism spectrum disorders. Now, I know last week I had committed to trying to get uh, each one of these podcasts out weekly, but as I say to my students, uh, clients, and the individuals I supervise, we're working on progress, not perfection, so uh, here we'll go. Now, I really debated what to talk about next. Uh, there were a couple of more. Uh, there were uh, were a couple more cognitive areas that I wanted to discuss: uh, cognitive features, including intelligence and attention, and thinking patterns, uh, including literal and rule-bound thinking. But there were a couple of areas that didn't fit neatly in any of these other categories, so I thought I'd include them here. These area areas are systemizing and empathizing, and inter- interpersonal synchronization. I don't know whether these count as neuropsychological frameworks, but they can have profound effects on both the learning related to and the expression of sociosexuality in individuals with ASD. You may be more familiar with one of these, uh, the uh, the systemizing and empathizing, which is related to the extreme male brain theory proposed by Simon Baron-Cohen and his colleagues. The other, interpersonal uh, synchronization, may not be as familiar to you. Synchrony refers to individuals' temporal coordination during social interactions. The ability to remain in sync with others is essential for effective sociosexual expression. We'll discuss synchrony more and its potential impacts on sociosexual development and expression later in this podcast. These two areas share some common theoretical bases, which I hope to discuss later. But let's begin with the more familiar topic, systemizing and empathizing. The Wikipedia entry for for this theory describes it the following way. The empathizing-systemizing theory suggests that people may be classified on the basis of their scores along two dimensions, empathizing and systemizing. It measures a person's strength of interest in empathy the ability to identify and understand the thoughts and feelings of others and to respond to these with with appropriate emotions, and a person's strength of interest in systems in terms of the drive to analyze or construct them. Let's take a moment to unpack the concepts of systemizing and empathizing, and then we'll consider the impacts of these concepts on the development and expression of sociosexuality. Let's start with the systemizing side of the theory. Systemizing systemizing is described as the ability to understand and build systems and predict how a system will perform given certain conditions. Systems can be mechanical, natural, environmental, technical, abstract, or taxonomic. A system is defined as something that takes inputs, which can then be operated on in in variable ways to deliver different outputs in a rule governed way. Merriam-Webster further defines systems as, a regular, as regularly interacting or interdependent groups of items forming a unified whole. So two important features of systems that uh, they are, that they are, let me start that over again. Two important features of systems are that they respond in predictable or rule-governed ways in response to specific inputs. And there are a finite number of options for the operation of the system Sometimes as few as one possible way for the system or the way the system can function based on the input provided. 
Individuals with autism spectrum disorders are proposed to be more systemizing in their thinking. Wheelwright and Baron Cohen proposed many different ways that systemizing behavior may be exhibited in individuals with ASD, depending on their functional levels. For lower functioning individuals with ASD, they propose that behaviors like tapping surfaces, obsessions with train tables or routes, scripted responses where they say one part of a sentence and wait for the communication partner to complete it, and watching the same video over and over, over again are all examples of systemizing behavior. For higher functioning individuals with ASD, they propose that behaviors like insisting on the same foods each day, making lists and catalogs, analyzing when a specific event occurs in a repeating cycle, and taking apart gadgets and then reassembling them are all examples of systemizing behavior. We can see this systemizing in some of the behaviors that are used uh, to diagnose individuals with ASD, or that commonly occur in some individuals with ASD, particularly related to the restricted and repetitive patterns portion of the diagnostic criteria in the DSM-5. This systemizing can be one explanation for individuals with ASD's use of echolalia, or repetition of words, phrases, or scripts, echopraxia, or repetition of uh, body movements, the lining up of toys, the insistence on sameness, inflexible adherence to routines, ritualized patterns of behavior, and highly restricted and fixated interests that are abnormal in intensity or focus. In both the list from Wheelwright and Baron Cohen, and the examples of restricted and repetitive patterns of behavior described in the Autism Spectrum Disorder Criteria in the DSM-5, we see the two important features of systems that we discussed earlier. In the insistence of sameness, ritualized behavior, echolalia, and scripting, we see the response of the system in a, in a predictable way, even in a rule-governed way. For example, the insistence on sameness increases predictability, because one always knows that what one will be doing or eating, etc., at a certain time or in a certain situation. Now, in the watching of the same video over and over again, analyzing when a specific event occurs in a repeating cycle, and highly restricted fixated interests, we see examples of where systems that individuals with ASD have a finite number of operations or solutions involved. For example, highly fixated interests keep the individual from being overwhelmed with too many options and limits the area that the individual has to attend to. In fact, for many individuals with ASD, the breaking of these patterns of behavior can cause distress and anxiety. So how can this systemizing behavior affect socio-sexual development and expression? Wheelwright and Baron Cohen explain that systemizing doesn't work as effectively with social systems which in fact responds to the empathizing side of the empathizing-systemizing theory. Acquiring more socio-sexual knowledge is a lifelong process, and the rules, expectations, behaviors that are appropriate at one point in the process may be inappropriate at a different point in the process. One example of this is, is related to changes in masturbatory behavior over time. As I mentioned during the podcast in the introductory uh, or in the introductory podcast on neurotypical sexual development, 
Between birth and about age five, individuals are exploring their bodies and touch their genitals for pleasure and self-stimulation. This exploration continues into later years, but individuals demonstrate an increased desire to do these behaviors in private. This change requires that the individual be paying attention to changes in social rules and expectations. Individuals who are more focused on routines, rituals, and sameness, in other words, those individuals who exhibit more systemizing behavior, may not pick up on or respond to these changes for or or these cues for changes in behavior and may exhibit behaviors that are now inappropriate for the new context. So systemizing behavior may restrict the development of more mature patterns as earlier routines, rituals, or behaviors are maintained. Let me give a few examples of this in in the different areas of sociosexual development to further explain this concept. This list shouldn't be seen as exhaustive in any way, but rather illustrative of some of the ways that systemizing behavior can impact on sociosexual development and expression. In the area of sociosexual development, the systemizing behavior may have the following types of impacts. Maintenance of earlier sociosexual routines and interests, delays in development of more mature sociosexual knowledge and skills, an unintentional reinforcement of the bias of others that individuals individuals with ASD uh, are too young or immature for sociosexual information and training due to their restricted interests. Um, For example, uh, maintaining an interest in Yu-Gi-Oh! or Pokemon uh, into much later years. Now, in the area of relationship and intimate uh, 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 relationships and intimate relationships development and maintenance, Systemizing behavior may have the following types of impacts. Focus on on own interests, rituals, and routines without taking into account a partner's interests or needs. A misinterpretation of polite behavior by someone as interest in engaging in in a relationship. So again, a misinterpretation of the polite behavior of another as an interest in engaging in a relationship Uh, which may be due to the features of systems where the expectation is that the response of the other individual to the behavior of the individual with ASD should be A, predictable, and B, limited to what is expected by the individual with ASD. In other words, that they want a relationship because that is what is wanted by the individual with ASD. Finally, when a partner reacts emotionally, it may violate the rule-bound behavior of the individual with ASD and cause increased distress in the individual with ASD rather than inspiring an empathetic response. Now, in the area of problematic sexual behaviors that some individuals with ASD may exhibit, the following may be influenced by systemizing behavior. Masturbation in public or touching one's genitals in public, refusing to touch own penis while urinating, which may be a response to an earlier rule where they were instructed not to touch themselves, or a fixation or fetishism on certain body features or favorite characters, um, for example, anime, or certain people, uh, for example, celebrities or a crush. Some authors have tailored their information about relationships and sociosexual behavior to this more systemizing behavior. Books such as Troubleshooting Relationships on the Autism Spectrum, A User's Guide to Resolving Relationship Problems by Ashley Stanford, The Independent Woman's Handbook for Super Safe Living on the Autism Spectrum 
by Robin Stewart. And What Men with uh, Asperger's Syndrome Want to Know About Women, Dating and Relationships by Maxine Aston, all seem to, ha to take the systemizing thinking pattern into account in their design and how they structure sociosexual questions and provide answers for individuals with ASD. These provide a system and structure to the presentation and discussion of sociosexual information that can be necessary for the more systemizing thinker. Other programs such as the Basics College Curriculum to enhance college and workforce readiness or the Pierce Program to enhance social skills also draw upon this systematic type of approach. I want to take a brief moment to talk about the other side of this theory which uh, is related to empathizing. A colloquial definition of empathy found on the internet is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. For many psychologists, comma, empathy, apologize, I'm just reading it as it says. So for many psychologists, empathy has three primary aspects. Uh, one, an effective response to another person, which often but not always entails sharing that person's emotional state. Two, a cognitive capacity to take the perspective of the other person, and three, some self-regulatory monitoring mechanism that modulate their inner states. As can be seen from this description, empathy has both an affective and cognitive component, and it requires that the individual feeling the empathy enact a self-regulatory or monitoring mechanism that modulates the individual's own internal inner states or internal states so that they are not taken over by the other's emotional state, a process known as emotional contagion, but can instead respond compassionately to another person's distress. Empathizing, then, is, an, is the experience of empathy. It responds to the types of moment-to-moment, -moment, more unpredictable, less structured social behaviors found in friendships, dating, intimate relationships, and family relationships. Empathizing responds to the type of subtle, quick, ever-changing cues that are involved in emotion sharing, connecting, and ultimately interpersonal synchronization, which we'll talk about in a short bit. As opposed to systemizing, which depends upon predictability and a limiting of the op options for operations or solutions that can be enacted, Empathy requires the mental flexibility to adopt the subjective perspective of the other, which may not be as predictable. These aspects of empathy highlight some of the challenges, challenges that individuals who are more systemizing in their thinking and those who are more empathizing in their thinking may have when interacting in relationships. Systemizers may see the behavior of empathizers as more erratic and lacking logic. Empathizers may see the responses of systemizers as more rigid and unfeeling. Both groups of individuals may struggle taking the perspectives of the other. Now, this particular theory is not without its critics. The criticism of this theory is based on a number of different factors that are beyond the scope of this particular podcast. But one key critique is that this theory doesn't account for all of the behaviors noted in some individuals with ASD such as motor symptoms, sleep disorders, or seizures. Another key critique is that this theory has some basis on another theory from Baron Cohen and his colleagues called the extreme male brain theory. 
Briefly, this theory contends that autism spectrum disorders are an extreme of the typical male profile, which is systemizing. Critics point out that this may be misinterpreted and that there may be an association between systemizing and typical male qualities such as aggression. I can also see the possibility for the opposite to be true. A focus on systemizing behavior being an expression of the extreme male brain may lead to an underdiagnosis of women and girls with autism spectrum disorders because they do not exhibit the same types of behaviors as boys and men with ASD. They may in effect camouflage behaviors that might qualify them for the diagnosis of autism spectrum disorders. This, their particular expression of uh, ASD and the related systemizing may be expressed differently than how diagnosticians are used to looking for the presence of ASD. Finally, this sex bias may lead to other diagnoses or uh, even diagnostic overshadowing where the diagnostician's own bias about ASD may bias the diagnosis in women and girls, and so they may receive or continue to be diagnosed with another uh, 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 mental uh, health issue. Uh, hopefully we can do another podcast later on this subject. I think it's a really important one, uh, but again, it's a little outside of or beyond the scope of this particular podcast. Despite these concerns, I feel the discussion of systemizing versus empathizing is an important one. I've had students and clients over the years who have complained about the unpredictable and or illogical nature of others. These individuals have wondered why others can't act in the way that they, the person with ASD, want or need them to, and or why others are so focused on emotions in a way that seems nonsensical. It's not that these individuals with ASD are uncaring in any way. In fact, I found, I've found uh, often that these individuals uh, that I work with uh, are highly sensitive, but they rely on systems to make sense of things. Emotions can be overwhelming, particularly when these emotions come from outside of themselves. They may lack some of the aspects of empathizing behavior, such as self-monitoring, self-regulation, or perspective or, and or perspective taking, that goes into uh, one being aware of the difference between their own and another's emotions, uh, two the ability to be mentally flexible and take the uh, subjective perspective of others, and three being able to monitor and regulate their own inner states so that they can respond compassionately to others' distress and not become overwhelmed by their emotions. Now, that's a kind of a big, long discussion on the systemizing and empathizing theory. Now I want to take a look at the second area um, that I want to discuss, which is interpersonal synchronization. Now, interpersonal synchronization is closely related to empathizing, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to discuss it after the discussion of systemizing and empathizing. As I mentioned earlier, interpersonal synchrony refers to an individual's temporal coordination during social interactions. And when we think about it, many of the activities and relationships that are involved in sociosexual expression require some degree of interpersonal synchronization, particularly those that involve another partner. Rules and expectations can provide the parameters for expression in this area. They can answer for us the big questions of what we can do, with whom, when can we do it, and how can we do it. 
But as I hope will become apparent in this part of the discussion, some degree of successful interpersonal synchronization is essential to effective, mature relationships, especially more intimate relationships. We need to be in sync with our family members during social interactions, peers during friendships, and partners during dating and intimate relations. The if we're going to be able to do it at all part of uh, social-sexual exp uh, expression is only answered by our degree of interpersonal synchronization with others. Now, Kinsborn uh, and Helt write about this in a chapter in The Neuropsychology of Autism. One of the things that they discuss is the, is the, process, the process that occurs when a couple, whether intimate or otherwise, converse with each other. When they do so, they, they engage in a process called entrainment. Entrainment in this, in, in this instance refers to the synchronization or coordination of internal rhythms, actions, uh, which are, include body language and posture, and speech patterns between individuals. This type of entrainment can be seen in mother-infant dyads where each mimic the expressions of the other. It can be seen in peer groups where the biological motion of peers can sync up over time so that when these peers are together, they move similarly and they mirror the social rhythms that are essential for close friendships. Kinsborn and Helt report that, as an extreme example, long-married couples look more alike than they did at their wedding, apparently because years of mimicking one another in silent empathy shapes facial similarities and wrinkle patterns. Indeed, the more they resemble each other at a silver anniversary, the greater the marital accord they, they report. This synchrony enhances the connection and closeness of those involved. It leads to the attachment that occurs between mother and child, the affiliation that we feel towards our peers, and ultimately the intimacy that partners experience in a mature relationship. It occurs often as at a subconscious level during face-to-face -face interactions with others. In many ways, it is a dance whose moves begin tentatively early on that continues to be worked on and refined throughout our lives and interactions with others. And like any dance with a partner, interpersonal synchronization requires our ability to monitor both our own rhythms and actions and those of our partner. It requires that we can fine-tune our actions in response to those of our partner. And finally, it requires that we are able to do all of this in a temporal coordination with our partner. Dancers look quite strange when they are temporally out of sync. No matter how precise their motions may be, unless they occur in a coordinate, uh, coordinated manner with their partner, then the dance that these dancers produce together will not appear fluid and smooth. Many aspects of social and sexual expression are the same way. Merely understanding the rules does not mean that you will be successful in relationships. Even the ability to take the perspective of others is insufficient in many situations if you can't do so in a manner that is timely and coordinated with others. The temporal extent and organization of interactional behaviors both within and between individuals critically determine interaction success. This, for me, is one of the least discussed aspects of social interactions when it comes to individuals with ASD. Often, individuals with ASD can seem out of step with others during social interactions. 
Beyond difficulties with interpretation of nonverbal cues, they may also exhibit difficulty, difficulties mimicking or producing the nonverbal cues that are similar to their communication partner in a timely fashion. Their emotions may not coordinate with, that, with those of their partner, or they may be prone to more emotional contagion where they take on the emotion, emotions of their partners without an awareness that, is, that this is their partner's emotions and not their own. Now, Della Hirsch uh, et al. lists two additional areas that I have noted over time that individuals or some individuals with ASE may have difficulty with synchroni synchronizing with their social partners. The first one is content coordination, or the coordination of what is being said and reaching a common understanding around what is being said. The second one is a process coordination, or predictions of the beginnings and endings of conversational phases. These may play out as some of the difficulties that are noted that some individuals with ASD have in social interactions where the topics of conversation do not match their partner's interests, or even that their partner is talking about at the time, as well as the pragmatic or social use of language components of conversations where they have difficulty with topic initiation, maintenance, repair, and termination. The impacts of difficulty with interpersonal synchronization on sociosexuality are, I hope, fairly clear. Uh, it's hard to develop and maintain a relationship with a significant other if we are not in sync with them emotionally, conversationally, or physically. Being temporarily out of sync with, some, with others can be off-putting to potential partners. It can appear as if the person isn't as interested in them or even at a subconscious level can be interpreted as being threatening. Sexual expression between two individuals requires coordination of emotions, body movements, and even sexual responses. If the individual has difficulty being in sync temporally in all of these areas, their partner may experience the situation as awkward, unsuccessful, or again as threatening. Our abilities to synchronize these many aspects of social interactions lead to more successful sociosexual uh, socio experiences. There are many theories relating to the underpinnings of these difficulties with interpersonal synchronization in some individuals with ASD. A thorough and complete discussion of these underlying theories is outside the realm of this particular podcast. The Kinsborn and Help uh, Kinsborn and Helt chapter in the Neuropsychology of Autism does an excellent job of reviewing many of these theories. But it is my belief that difficulties with interpersonal synchronization can be worked on if they are under, uh, recognized and understood. Minimally, awareness of these difficulties on the part of the individual with, with ASD, if they have them, allows the individual to better monitor their own actions and more intentionally monitor the actions of others. But it has been my experience that working with others, whether that be a speech therapist, occupational therapist, mental health therapist, etc., uh, on this can have profound effects on interpersonal synchronization over time. Some treatments, like interactive metronome, more directly focus on neurotiming or this synchronization. Others, like the integrated listening system, the safe and sound protocol, rhythmic entrainment intervention, and the listening program, harness the power of music and, in some cases, paired movements 
to enhance neural connectivity and synchronization. Authors like Louis Cozzolino and Daniel Siegel have written on the subject of interpersonal neurobiology and have suggested uh, techniques and interventions to enhance connection and attachment that can have profound effects on interpersonal synchrony. I've included a few books by by each of these authors in the bibliography that is attached to this transcript on my website. Finally, mindfulness training, with its focus on awareness of self, being present in the moment, and cultivating kindness towards self and others, which is a part of the mindfulness-based stress reduction program, can have profound effects on interpersonal synchronization. I've included some resources on mindfulness in the attached bibliography. I hope that you have found this discussion as interesting as I did. Hopefully, through understanding these two concepts of systemizing and empathizing and interpersonal synchronization, you found some new areas of awareness and or focus for improvement or training. A transcript of this podcast, along with citations and a related bibliography, can be found on the Flexible Mind Therapy uh, website. Thank you for joining me today.